Hello and welcome to the Rugby Sevens Roller Coaster. We're here to take you on the ups, the downs, the twists, the turns, and the excitement that is Premier Rugby Sevens. The sports league taking over the US with some of the best athletes our sport had to offer. I'm Dallas Stafford, former USA Sevens player and current World Rugby commentator. And I'm Robin McDowell, former Canadian Sevens player and current international coach. Together, we'll bring you the latest PR Sevens news. Welcome to your new home for Sevens Rugby. Hello and welcome to episode three of the Rugby Sevens Roller Coaster, a North American-inspired rugby podcast that focuses on the Premier Rugby Sevens and also the HSBC World Rugby Seven Series. First of all, we want to thank you to our old and new listeners and viewers. We appreciate all the support as we grow this beautiful game here, especially in the United States and Canada. All right, so far we featured current USA Sevens captains Naya Tapper and Perry Baker in episode one. Then we had former USA Sevens captain Abby Gostaitis and current World Seven Series champion Brady Rush from New Zealand. They were in episode two. Today, it's another epic lineup, including USA Sevens captain from years gone by, Madison Hughes, who isn't done playing. We've got some special news coming up here. Plus, Blackburn Sevens and Fifteens legend Stacey Walker, the smiling assassin, fresh from winning the Rugby World Cup Fifteens and now the Sevens World Series. Robin, two absolute goats. Uh, so great. Madison's been a pioneer for uh, Coach Mike Friday's team on field general, uh, led USA from, you know, kind of a core middle of the road, you know, World Series team to one of the best teams in the world for a few years. And he was really teasing us throughout the episode. Listeners will hear like whether he's he's playing or not playing. It's kind of like trying to defend him. He's a sneaky ill, as you say. And of course, Waka, just one of the best ambassadors of the game for women, for men, for, for the game of rugby and, and specifically for sevens in the Blackburn. So to have players of that that level, that caliber, uh, after winning a World Cup, winning an Olympics and uh, coming fresh off a, a six of seven World Series event is absolute class for the league and going to inspire Canadians, Americans and all those other girls around the world that get a watcher. So we're in for a bit of a treat this summer. Champagne rugby start to finish. We can't wait. All right, let's switch across to the Sevens World Series. What happened? How did it finish? Well, the women's side of things, New Zealand absolutely dominated this season. They made seven finals, all seven. They won six of them. They took the women's title, of course. Our guest, Stacey Walker, as you mentioned, Robin, was magic on that team, producing their best season to date. As far as North America is concerned, well, the USA have qualified for Paris 2024 Olympics. They finished up the year making it to lose final, which was magic. They did go down to New Zealand in the end, but they picked up their sixth medal. A very, very impressive and consistent season. Canada finished ninth on the Women's Series. They'll head to the Rand Sevens qualifier. Then on the men's side of things, the All Black Sevens, well, they won the series after five gold medals this year. But it was Los Pumas Sevens who inspired a nation. They inspired Argentina. They lifted the epic London Sevens title in front of a brilliant crowd. They finished second on the series. Fiji finished third. I was really hoping Fiji would come through as well because Argentina and New Zealand have done so well. Um, and then USA. Well, they were at up and down season. Disappointing 10th place finish in the end. Canada, though, won a dramatic qualifier to stay in the series for next season. Robin, you must have had almost a heart attack. Yeah, it was uh, it was an exciting uh, exciting weekend for sure. Uh, happy for our, our brother Ben Gollings uh, for Fiji finishing strong throughout the year, making it to a cup final. But uh, yeah, for the Canadians, we obviously have a super young side. A new head coach, Sean White, assisted by the legend uh, Phil Mack uh, on the bench there. You know, changing changing coaches throughout the year. It's been a full rebuild, similar to a lot of programs. And them finding their stride and uh, and making it to a cup semis down last weekend in Toulouse. And then riding that wave right into right into Twickenham and, uh, and battling it out in true sevens form at the death. Uh, so it's always great to see your... 
your Canadian boys win and, and remain on the World Series for next year. But uh, definitely felt for my my good friend uh, Damian McGraw with Kenya. You know, I feel for him and his wife and uh, and next steps. So where where will he be next year? That's the question. But uh, for me, in the in the Fijian RG final, Fiji scores like almost first play coast to coast. And then what did you think of that red card, like two, three minutes in? Like, you imagine trying to stop those flying RGs uh, in a cup final for, uh, for 11, 12 minutes. Yeah, with, so with, tough. With a seven on six. <laughs> well, exact seven on six. It's so tough, you know, and that's the thing. I was, because I'd, uh, because uh, Fiji hadn't won all year, I thought this will be the one and they were right there. Look, I'm, I'm not a fan of the cards and obviously I understand the, the laws of the game and it's got to be safe, but a red card, especially in sevens, it's just, it finishes the game, you know. It's bad enough in 15s, but sevens you're really exposed. And, and Fiji did well to hold in at the end, but Santi, obviously crying at the end, so emotional. Uh, what a season, they're riding a, a high. And, and Robin, we spoke about it so many times. It's so, so difficult to play in those semifinal, final games on the Sevens World Series these days. You don't know what's going to happen. It's a roller coaster ride. Might just plug our own show. Well, I tell you what, like Santi, uh, Santi's got a team that's humming. We talked with Waka in the episode just about like teams finding their forms and where you're at in, in, in your in your in your journey as a group. He's he's in his prime. So when will he peak for the Olympics and medal again? And Coach Ben Gollings, he's been there about a year and a half here, just about a year and a half, I guess. So he's still finding his players. He's had a number of injuries. Obviously, won the World Cup back in September in South Africa, pre-World Series. But uh, you know, a number of those players got big contracts after that. So he's been rebuilding, finding his form. So it's nice to see him go go on top. But as always, the the World Seven Series is uh, is a roller coaster, as we say. It really is. All right, let's switch across to the Premier Rugby Sevens. What's the latest news happening in recent times? We have confirmation that seven New Zealand stars will be joining Premier Rugby Sevens teams. On the men's side, Kitty Vai and Rhodes Featherstone, fresh from the Sevens World Series, will be on that side. The women's side, we obviously know Stacey Waka. Uh, she's joined by Manai Nuku, as well as Tasha Ignacio and Kelsey Tanetti. And then the global superstar, Ruby Tui, truly remarkable signing. Hats off to Richie Walker, who we'll chat to in this episode as well. Um, I got a chance to commentate the Hong Kong Sevens and Singapore Sevens recently with uh, Ruby Tui. Such a personality, so well loved. And she has the shreds. She has the chirps, Robs. I mean, isn't that massive for our game here? Oh, she's so great. And like Walker, I mean, those girls are just living legends. And uh, again, to have one of the best players, athletes, and, and people in the world coming to the stage. <laughs> We haven't disclosed where she'll be playing yet, but uh, rumor is that she'll be on the West. So I'm not really thrilled to be uh, playing against her, but uh, I've definitely built a team that can that can fight with anybody. Uh, really excited, and and there's other global announcements coming out here soon in the coming weeks, Dallin, and and some sneaky loonies as well. We're only a few weeks out. The first light kicks off in the East in Austin, where you'll be on the mic, and the following week after that, we'll be in uh, Minnesota in in Northern Looney Country. The standard of the league this year, year three, is really, really high. It's it's, su- it's going to be super challenging, super exciting for the fans, which is what it's all about, and a good test for for all our players this summer, winding up in D.C. in August. Yeah, and tell me, Rob, you know, what have you personally been doing? Obviously, you're coaching the loonies. How's your team looking, and, and what's on the pike there? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, I've been, you know, trying to switch gears right now because I've been in a huge talent ID mode literally since we wrapped up in uh, – in Austin last year in the final final round of the Premier Sevens, uh, looking for talent, flying, traveling, hotels, phone calls, emails, 
around the world trying to find the best athletes. And uh, and now our team is locked in with the draft ending a few weeks ago, uh, the World Series ending. So we have a number of World Series players that will be in our side. I'm I'm proud to announce uh, that we'll have 14 Canadians. Obviously, it's an 18 tournament. You know, seven of those teams are heavily heavily dominated by American athletes. So I've gone with a lot of Canadians to get some Canadians out there. And, uh, and one, uh, one Brazilian Bianca Silva. So I got that. I got the elusive flyer that's currently playing in Tokyo. It'll be joining us. And then Satiba Tauro Pihikaru, the, the Linwood legend. Uh, she'll be back from, from a Kiwi Aztec. Super exciting. So yeah, just trying to build off field. I'm fortunate on the West coast of Canada that not all, all of our girls are based uh, or, or from the West Coast, but they're all a lot of them are based on the West Coast because that's where our National Trainer Center is. So all our coaches are just getting ready to uh, to hit the pitch this summer. We're tired of talking about it. We're tired of of uh, you know all the build up. We just want to get out there and see our athletes carve. Yeah, well, I've got to notify the tattoo artists of what's going on. So, you know, you've got to, got to get going. Uh, all right, we know the fans can visit PR7s.com uh, to get tickets to the five sensational events coming this summer. And then next, we're going to chat with Richie Walker, former USA Women's Sevens head coach, all-around top human, and PR7s head of scouting. Then, of course, it's Madison Hughes and Stacey Walker on Episode 3 of the Rugby Sevens Roller Coaster. Please enjoy. Pierre Order Richie, one of the most interesting men in the world. You can probably speak German and French. <laughs> I wish I could. Exactly. I was going to say, you know, we need to hear some of that later, but I put you on the spot there. But listen, Richie, always great to see you whenever we are around the world and in North America. Thanks for popping on the roller coaster. We want to delve briefly into your insights. You came on year two. We want to know about your PR7 strategies and goals from year two to year three in terms of acquiring some of the best players in the world. We, we have Stacey Walker on the show. And we've got some other legends coming up. It's phenomenal what you've done so far, but give us some background. Yeah, uh, firstly, I just want to say um, hi, guys. It's uh, great to be on the show with you two, uh, two legends. It's been around the world and always see you guys out there as well. And, you know, Dallin, we caught up on this uh, a little bit earlier this year that you were my first interview that I had when I became USA Women's Sevens head coach. But also, you know, it was good to watch you play and watching you uh, commentate around the world. And you got a lot of followers that ask me, like, how do I get to be a commentator like Dallin? So, you know, you're doing good stuff. And Robin, I see you all around the world too. And, you know, with your academy and giving young kids opportunities and obviously helping national teams, it's like... It's an honor for me to just even be sitting here next to you two. So thanks for having me on. Oh, behave, Richie, behave. We'll slip you that that 100000 New Zealand dollars later. Yeah. I'm um, just diving into uh, PR7 and what to expect. You know, we have a great owner, Owen Scannell, who's just full of ideas and, you know, wants to grow things. You know, even when they're good, let's how can we make them better? So he's really good at that. He's kind of like centralize the teams into cities which is really good because we can have community involved in those and um, that's a big thing for us and with getting international players in you know it grows the competition um, of the games but with that all these people that we're having from around the world they can uh, share all the fun experiences that they've had you know with their national teams um, around the world series you know bring different styles and of play and coaching and then also 
help out with um, teaching our young kids. We've got kids that are playing in PR7s for the first time that have never been identified before. For example, Robin has some, you know, camps up in Canada. We have some players that we've identified that aren't on the USA pathways yet, but will be, that get to play in the same team as a Stacey Waka, Ruby Tui, you know, so exciting stuff like that. College players, club players, national team players and internationals all getting to play. And our internationals are just so happy to come over here and share their experiences. And for us, it's like we're excited, you know, fans to come down and watch a lot of their favourite players or some players from their favourite teams come around. Like we have countries like people that have represented Sweden, Netherlands, um, you know, Australia, Fiji, um, New Zealand, South Africa. You know, we've got some great players coming from South Africa. So we're really excited and you know, for us, if we just keep at the grind and keep getting busy and trying to make this better, that's all. Well, it's so exciting going in, into year three, Richie, and uh, our humble beginnings in Memphis in year one. And then excited to, you know, where the league's going to go from four franchises to eight and, and what's next, right? So what are what are some things you're super excited about going into year three? Um, I'm super excited that we've added a couple of stops. Um, you know, that's exciting. So we're spreading out around the country so more people can get it, uh, get to the tournaments because it might be a little bit closer. Also excited to see that, you know, every game counts now because there's two conferences, you know, the top two end up going to the championship. So in previous years, everybody's gone to the championship. Conferences really matter. So I'm excited to see that. I'm excited to see our experienced coaches that have been there what kind of things that they're going to throw out there, you know, with the experiences. But I'm also excited to see our new coaches come in with these new franchises, you know, and show what they have. So we have a lot of experience and a lot of inexperience. But when it comes down to it, it's just about, you know, you coaching, you getting on with your players. I'm excited to see that who's going to make the conference finals, but then go on to the championship. So for me, as I'm looking at the teams, you know, I couldn't pick one from the other who I think that could go through. For me, I think all eight teams on the men's side, all eight teams on the women's side could go through. And ideally, that's what we want. Equal balance. It's just up to the players in the end to get out there, have some fun, show everyone what they've got. And then in the end, the results will take care of itself. You forgot to say loonies there. You got forgot to say <laughs> loonies on the women's side. <laughs> Uh, yes, and then, you know, Looney's on the woman's side, of course. <laughs> oh, well, I told my players I'm not sleeping till mid-August till we uh, till we have a good time in Washington. But, uh, yeah, I, I, we, we had Owen on a couple weeks ago, and I just said, you know, the intention of, of, of upping the ante to qualify for the final round has definitely upped the ante for, for the staff as well as the players, which is which is what high performance and also fan experience is all about. The stakes are higher. Uh, that means we got to work harder if we want to be there at the big show. So I'm super excited about that on the coaching side. And then what could fans expect from, you know, the blend of domestic North American rising talent uh, you know, from our talent at E-Camps to our, our our junior national USA and Canada players now mixed in with some of these global stars that will be sprinkled through the league uh, this summer. Well, as you know, from having your camps up in uh, Canada, there's so much talent there 
And when we go to these camps, it's that they just give everything, right? For me, if I could pick like a couple of teams of just from this talent ID, I mean, one, because they're fresh, they want it, they give everything that they have, you know, and when they do get selected, you know, for them to transfer that over and be with these international players as well as national team players from the USA and Canada, I think it's just going to grow their game. And obviously that's what we want, especially as PR7s, is to grow the game from, you know, grassroots juniors through college, through club, and then on to make the national team. You know, if we can find players in these ID camps, put them on PR7s, you know, they get a pathway or get a look into a national team, and you know, that's that's great for us. And to mix in those international players with that is that they get the experience and they get to show, one, if they're playing beside, or two, they're defending against. So it's showcasing that, what do I need to do as a player, you know, to get better? And can I have a go against international players? Yes, you can. Are those international players going to have a go at you? Yes, they are. And so for us, it's like showcasing new talent, new players, young players against experienced players that have had like, you know, 50 plus caps on the World Series. And so it's exciting. I know a lot of young players are excited to play against and to play with um, a lot of these players on the men's and the women's side. Yeah, Richie, it's amazing. I mean, it's I had so much fun in the commentary booth because you got like, remember Delaney Aikens from Canada carving it up and getting the MVP, but Alev Kelter's there and Nia Tapper's yeah. there and all these big names. So it's a really wonderful mix. And uh, Rob and I were talking the other day saying there when we played, there were no opportunities for us to go to these high-level tournaments within North America. You'd have to go overseas somewhere and play. And again, it's a big expense and a big ask because the Seventh World Series is such a high standard that you yeah. really don't get anything a- ahead of that, which is great. I just want to finish off, Richie. You've obviously been such a fantastic role model. And we've had great interaction with you, as we said, over the years. You've coached many teams. You've been to the Olympics a couple of times. You've worked with USA Women, Japan Women, the champion MLL, Sea uh, Wolves. Do you miss the coaching side of things, or do you still dabble here and there? For me, on the coaching side, um, I've done so much over a lot of years. It was good to take a break. Um, I transition. I love to watch coaches coach now. But for me, like all those things that you said, is I would like to tell up-and-coming coaches as you're young to go experience internationally. Like if I, my experience that I had in Japan, my experience that I had in New Zealand, if I had that before I coached the US, I would have been a way different coach. You know, I've had fortunate to be in the All Blacks environment and, you know, Dylan, you were there with us in D.C., I'm just learning from that. So I took a bit of a break, but the itch is there and I'm, you know, I'm pretty keen to get back into it. I've been away for a while. And right now I'm coaching the San Diego Surfers Sevens team. And for me, I've done that these last two years. And for me, it's like giving back, right? I was there and then I went on. I don't want to forget like one of the places that I came from. You know, when people go and they coach at the top level, you know, sometimes they don't go back or they forget about where they came from. So I'm back there helping them, you know, with their experience. We had a, I was up at 5.30, we had a six o'clock session this morning, you know, and back to club coaching, right? It's like, that's what you have to do. You got to do it before they go to work or after they work. We're in the international environment. It's during the day and that kind of stuff. But to answer your question, I think I'm starting to miss it again. So, yeah. 
Well, it's great to see you working with the surfers. I know they're such a great group of people and great team as well. How lucky they are to have you there, that you're located there. Fantastic, you know. Um, listen, Richie, we want to say uh, we call you the Kiwi James Bond around here. Uh, you're a man, a, a jack of all trades. We love your work. We love seeing you always. We'll see you next month. We'll catch up then. Uh, again, continue to do the great stuff there. And then don't forget, of course, uh, we can get a signing bonus. We recommend some players. We're going to come to you for some extra commissions. Absolutely. <laughs> Um, you know, just reach out and we'll make sure you get a signing bonus. Well, Brady um, Rush Brady Rush is cashing checks already because he said he had such a good experience. Everybody's hitting her up. And he's like, listen, message Richie Walker. He goes, I got nothing to do with it. Yeah. Well, they should say message you, then you tell me. Yeah, yeah exactly. No, just to throw it out there, we might have a, a big name signing soon and one that you both know. And, you know, I'll just throw the... Uh, UK in there and maybe the top try scorer on the HSB Sevens World Series. So, wow. One wow. Yeah. You heard it here first without yep. officially announcing it. Yes. Breaking news. Yeah. Keep the right. change. Hey, great to chat with you guys. And one last thing um, I appreciate you after the final, both of you, and Austin inviting me over for a slice of pizza. <laughs> you bloody star alright Richie thanks buddy go well my friend you have a good one eh? it's brilliant to welcome USA 7's legend and Olympian Madison Hughes more dangerous than an electric chair Maddie, thanks so much for joining us on the Rugby 7's roller coaster. you sleek sensation oh thanks for having me on it's a pleasure to be on with you guys well, well listen I wore my best Free Jacks outfit for you because I know you have strong roots in New England so hope you enjoy it no, I do appreciate it. Yeah, my parents are at every game. They're, they're constantly saying, hey, when are you going to come out here? So no, I appreciate the rep, the rep there. Good, good. Well, I know the Free Jacks are still keeping a place for you in case you decide to come back to 15s <laughs> at any point. They're there. They're ready with your jersey. Okay, so easy question. Let's start with you with um, upcoming Premier Rugby 7s events this year. Will you team up with me in the booth again in the broadcasting side? Will you be playing? Will you be watching? No wrong answers, of course. It's, it's all still really up in the air. I think I'll definitely be watching right now, not scheduled really to do anything, anything either on the field or in the booth. I think I'd love to maybe do a bit of bit of either bit of both. But uh, yes. in terms of right now, I'll be leaving it to others and I'll, and I'll be enjoying it from the sidelines. So we'll see what happens. Brilliant. What was it like for you on the broadcast team of the inaugural PR sevens event in Memphis a couple of years ago, in particular, talking about your USA teammates on the field? I mean, I, I really enjoyed it. it. It was great to get in the booth. I think that was, I'd, I'd done a few events at that point, but it was still before I'd kind of done any of the World 7 Series stuff. So it was really great to get in the booth. And yeah, I mean, I was there and I saw Danny and Steve and, and others going against each other, Matai and, and Morty, Perry. There, there were so many of them out there. So that was a lot of fun. I think that was probably the first time I'd commentated those guys. So it was great to yeah be there. As I think D Danny and Steve in particular had some, had some gentlemen's agreements, shall we say. <laughs> Well, we had Abby Gestitis on a couple of weeks ago, and she said she's a little more ruthless on her old teammates on the World Series. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's probably true. I, I, yeah, we'll we'll see what happens. I, 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 I'm fearful that at some point I'll be on the field opposite Danny, and if I'm too mean to him in the booth, that might not go my way. So uh, we'll see what happens. And did you learn any one-liners from Dallin, who's more dangerous than climate change? <laughs> No, I mean, I, I leave that sort of stuff to Dallin. I mean, that, that sort of creativity, the, the genius really of it, um, it takes a special commentator to be able to bring that out. So I'm leaving that to Dallin for now. But who knows? Maybe if I do enough games with him, it will start to rub off. 
Maddie, but I will say, listen, this is the thing. Everyone has their perfect role and you bring such great analysis and insights, you know, so it fits fits really well. It'd be weird if you start, you know, chirping one-liners. Also, it'll make me look bad. So you don't want to do that. I mean, come on, you know. Um, all right, Maddie, I want to review your stats quickly. You've obviously had a brilliant career on the field. Uh, our viewers and listeners uh, would know that you're the sixth highest point scorer in sevens history, 1,510 points. And then in terms of Eagles and USA records, the next best scorer is Perry Baker, who's been on the the uh, Rugby Sevens roller coaster, of course, PRO Sevens player, 263 tries. You've got 95 tries, just 90 more than I have in the number 10 jersey. Um, so listen, I want to thank you for improving the stats. That 10 jersey is looking really hot right now. Let's go to your greatest ever Sevens game that you've been involved in in a US jersey. Uh, I mean, there were so many, it's it's hard to come up with one. I think in terms of a, a particular moment, the the kick at the end of the New Zealand game in Dubai to get kind of USA's first ever win over New Zealand, that was such a special moment. I think it was an incredible team performance. Perry scored uh, right at the end to tie it up and then to have yeah, the side-like conversion. I mean, that, that's the moment I think any kicker dreams of when they're practicing on the field is to have that kick at the end to win a game. Um so that was a really special moment. Winning in London, winning in Vegas were were also incredible, incredible team moments. Um, but for, yeah, for one one moment in particular, that New Zealand one was incredible. I mean, that's the thing. In our era, you know, we we revived the sevens program, became a core side, and there were two teams we could never beat: South Africa and New Zealand. So just as a you know fan watching, that was unbelievable. As you said, like when you're a young kid playing in the garden, kicking drop kicks, you know, that's what you imagine. That moment beating and it was New Zealand. So I will say that moment still gives me goosebumps. Uh, uh, very, very special times. Yeah, no, it was incredible. And uh, yeah, as soon as it came off the boot, I, I knew it was it was straight through. And yeah, I watched the video back and I don't know what I was up to, but I was excited. <laughs> and just transitioning post-rugby, what have you been involved in over the last few years since stepping away from professional rugby and and what kind of activities and different hobbies have you taken up? Yeah, I mean, I think I've kind of been exploring a few different things. I think in that kind of it was a long, it felt like a long period in kind of that COVID times um, with the Sevens team. And I think it was something that every team dealt with to varying degrees, but it was a bit of a tough environment, I think, for me and and really for the team as well. Uh, I needed to kind of step aside and kind of rediscover what I wanted to do outside of rugby. And so I've kind of been pursuing different things. I was doing a sales job for a little bit and, and now I've started uh, an MBA at Stanford. So have been kind of doing that for, I'm coming up on the end of my first year of that. And I think that's been really helpful for helping guide me and explore kind of what are the valuable lessons and skills and, and traits that I developed during my rugby career and how can I position and and, and set myself up for success and kind of whatever it does next. I feel like I've been answering the, the what do you want to do when you grow up question for like 20 years now. And it was always, I want to be a professional athlete. And then discovering what that is kind of afterwards um, has, has been difficult, but have a few different things I'm interested in. I've been playing lots of soccer. That's been fun. Um, football for the Angler, English people. But um, I, it's kind of picking up on little things that I like cut back on when I was playing or didn't do. So I love to ski. And this winter, I was out for like 20 days on the mountain, like getting getting down the slopes. I was, I was in Vancouver commentating. And I think after we had one meeting and I went out and did kind of four or five hours of night skiing up in Vancouver. So it, that was good fun. And I think it's been about kind of rediscovering myself. And without that kind of, I'm trying to but maximize the team and and rugby and that's kind of everything i'm focused on and kind of explore what i can do outside that yeah you've struck a nice balance right because you've had obviously such a long career you know it, it seems already and then you're able to get on do other things right now where some of your teammates have switched to 15s or you know trying to hold on a bit on the seven side of things so is the return to sevens in the picture 
Uh, will we see you in a USA jersey coming ahead of Paris 2024? What does that path look like? And then I'll have a side comment from Robin. He said, take as much time as you need because you beat Canada so many times. He says, you can take off another five or 10 years. It's okay with him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Again, I'm, I'm going to keep being a little bit coy, coy on this one. I, I think it, it would... Like I, I'm 30 years old now, so I, I definitely like I watch the games and I'm there and I, I still feel like I can perform at that level. And that's something that I, I think I'd love to do. And I definitely haven't decided that I'm done and, and I'm and I've moved on. I think still figuring out some of the logistics of what that might look like and how it might work in terms of timing and what I'm doing now and how to set all that up. But yeah, we'll see. I mean, there's, there's a big game coming up in or a big tournament, should I say, coming up in coming up in August that will kind of decide a lot for kind of different programs and um, the team's been having some good tournaments and tournaments where they haven't quite been performing as well lots of young guys coming through and so we'll see what happens I think I'd love to be back in that training environment for a little bit the kind of last year of my career being kind of that COVID period I think I would have a hard time really stepping away and, and having that be the end so um, I think I would love to get back out there but we'll see what happens. All right. When you are ready, give us a heads up and we'll get you back on the pod. We want to break the news. I mean, we've been holding on for the last two years. So let us give us that first opportunity. Thank you. That sounds good. Yeah, you'll have to come up with a good one line for that one. And just uh, looking looking back at the World Series that just concluded recently, what are your thoughts on the roller coaster ending to 2022-23? And plus the changes coming to the 12 course sides. And thankfully, my Canadian boys were able to get it done at the death against Kenya. Yeah, I mean, Canada really came through very strongly in those last couple of tournaments and and did really well to yeah retain their place in the series. I mean, I think it's going to be really, really interesting to start on kind of that relegation aspect. I mean, like Kenya are down. And I think that's just really sad. Like what Kenya bring to the World Series? And I mean, it's not just Kenya. There are other teams who I think will lose out as well. Like having kind of the magic of some of those teams who may not be the most consistent team in the world, but they have electric fans. They play a great brand of, of sevens rugby and I think it's sad to to lose that. I understand there are kind of commercial and other elements that go into kind of some of those decisions, but I think it really was kind of a magical product, and I and I would have loved to have, yeah, see, seen it kind of worked in different ways to to make it work. It's been really interesting. I mean, there are so many different teams with different storylines. I mean, up at the top, like New Zealand, really, and I think it really goes back to even before Tokyo, and like that's that that half season we had, which was the last season before kind of COVID shut everything down. New Zealand really were the, the form team. Really, their defense had gone to a whole other level, and teams were having a hard time unlocking that. Uh, and they've really kicked on, and that's been seen this year as well. And they're kind of there at the top of the series, and almost every single tournament they were the team, and you were surprised when they lost. And they've really had a dominance, kind of tournament to tournament, game to game. But I haven't really seen in kind of a few years at this point. Argentina were incredible up there. I mean, again, I think that goes back to like kind of, I think they seem to manage that kind of COVID period almost as well as anyone. And they came out of that a stronger side. And it's got a lot of the same guys who we're seeing now pop up and be kind of those best players in the world sort of sort of players like Iskro and Manetta uh, and kind of a couple others. And, and that's been really exciting to see. I mean, it, it'll be interesting because I think they kind of had a, si a season similar to what we had in that 2019 season. And then obviously the COVID season, we were kind of scuffling a little bit and then the Olympics happened. So it'll be really interesting to see how they kind of build on this and whether maybe they've peaked too early or whether they're going to really use this to go to even higher heights uh, and really be really strong medal contenders. And then, yeah, to look at the US team, 
it was an up and down season. They started off actually reasonably strongly. And then it was just kind of, there were a few games in there where if you win that game, you're right in there, you're in the mix. And those games just went against them too many times this season. And I think that's a little bit of what happens with younger guys coming through. You're counting on, on players who have moments of brilliance, have moments where they are up there with anyone in the world. But on the consistent basis, it, it does help to have been there for a number of years. And I mean, again, we can look back at our team and we were never the most consistent bunch other than that 2019 season. And so um, not to throw anything at them, but I think there's a lot of promise there. And then, yeah, both for the US and Canada, a big, big tournament coming up in August. Yeah, I'll be I'll be there. Uh, I'll be there cheering. But yeah, I know for Canada and the US, obviously, it's been a lot of transition and 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 just kind of segueing into the Premier Sevens. I think it's such a great, uh, great level, great standard to, you know, for athletes to play with guys like yourself, university guys just graduating and transitioning. And and then obviously we've seen a number of those players come out of the PR7s and go into Team USA, Team Canada. And uh, I know for me, like going straight from playing university and same for you, I guess, and then straight onto the World Series, like you can't really, you can't really coach or prepare mentally or physically. I mean, yeah, you gotta, you gotta be there standard wise, but you can't prepare yourself mentally or physically completely for, for that level of, uh, of athleticism across the board and obviously the pressures that come with it. And that's where I really feel like down the road in North America, we're going to see the fruits of the PR7's uh, efforts, you know, develop so many North Americans, which is something I'm really excited about. Yeah, I mean, definitely agree. I, I mean, I think, uh, and I think it's only gotten harder, to be honest. Like, as I look back on when I came onto the team, I mean, the US, we ended that season 13th, like, I was given like the guys coming into the team, you had a bit of liberty to like, you could try things, you could make mistakes. And okay, obviously we wanted to win every game and that was huge. But if you lost a game, that wasn't the end of the world. And really kind of as we had a, a on the USA side, a team who stuck together for a long period of time, every young guy who came in, like you make one mistake in a key game and like, it was tough to come back from. And I think that really made it hard for those, for us to bring those young guys through um, and having uh, opportunities like the PR sevens, which I think has really built out like this kind of middle ground to like lessen that gap of what it takes to perform in the world series, um, I think is really, really valuable. And the more experience the up and coming rugby players and rugby sevens players can get to kind of use it as a launch pad in your career. I mean, I think we've, we saw it at Logan Targo in that first tournament who he performed so, so well in the PR sevens and got his um, opportunity with the USA sevens team off the back of that. Um, and so I think guys like that and even younger guys who want to perform on the world series, this is a great way to get a little taste of that. You play against some guys who who have done that and, and been there and then some other guys who you'll compete against in those kind of up and coming spots. I mean, it's also that you're thrown in with a group of very talented people and you have to very quickly figure out what's going on, come together and figure out how to use your talents. I mean, like if you're a high performing college or, or high school player, even, or even club, maybe you, you stand out on the wing, you get the ball, you're faster than anywhere else. You just run down the wing and you score. And then suddenly you get to the likes of the PR sevens. You're like, Oh, wait a second. Like that's not going to work. I have to figure out a whole new way of using my skills and using my talents. And that's what we'd always often find in the world series is you throw in a guy who's talented and it's just like, okay, like let's see how he goes. And there was always an element of like, let's see what happens because you didn't know how guys were going to react to that stage, that level of competition, the fact that their skills and what had worked for them was now 
under stress and they had to adapt and some guys could adapt and, and other guys couldn't. Um, and I think the PR sevens is a great way for guys to help kind of narrow, smooth that journey out so that they can use their skills, use their talents, to the best effect. And then also, Hey, you play in the PR sevens. It doesn't go as well as you wanted. You're like, Oh wow, I'm further away than I thought. It gives you the opportunity to go away, work on your skills. You can come back and then use that as a platform to, to push on to the next level. Yeah, so true. And speaking of PR7, so you went to Dartmouth with the founder, Owen Scannell. Apparently, he had a lethal sidestep on the field. He told us that. I don't know if it's true, so you can you can let us know. But what was it, What were your college days like? Uh, speaking of carving up, you guys also had a great side at Dartmouth. Yeah, I mean, we did. I mean, Owen has many talents. Um, the <laughs> inflexibility of his hips, I don't know if it opened up for many sidesteps. But um, no, I, I, I loved yeah going to college with Owen and, and everyone at Dartmouth. It was amazing. I think Owen actually had the assist for like several of my early tries. I think that's one. He of did. He did say things. that. He and we he, were he we set me up for my early yeah. tries. Yeah, yeah. We, we we actually didn't believe him, so that's why we had to follow up and get you on the show here. So okay, thanks for for proving that right. You know. Yeah, and not not to be honest, assist might be a strong term for some of them, but he, he is the key man on the score sheets. Uh, uh, no, he did well, and I mean, he was like a fly half for us. He played in the centres, moved around like a versatile back, and I think Owen kind of personified um, a great thing about Dartmouth rugby and in general American college rugby is guys who haven't really played it much before, but come in and like learn to love the game very quickly and learn to love everything the game is about. And I think. As like I mean, more and more American American rugby players are picking it up at a younger age, but the backbone of the game for so long has been guys who picked it up a little later in life, bring talents from other sports, and just love it and and love everything about it in terms of the camaraderie, the culture, uh, and the on the field respect. And I think that was something that Owen really brought and really drove the program, and that's what kind of Dartmouth rugby and, and other programs are built on. We were lucky my freshman year. We had a really incredible senior class. Nate Brakeley has gone on to play for the Eagles many times, but there are numerous others there. Derek Fish, Paul Jarvis, and, and some others who are really quality, quality college players. And I think that helped me in that early stage that I could come in and uh, like, not, I didn't like, I, I remember like asking, like, Hey, like, how long do you think it will take to earn me a spot on the team and, and stuff like that? And like, I was reasonably quickly able to do that but it wasn't that i had to come in and suddenly it was just like okay what, what are you going to do it was i was able to come in and just kind of have fun with it and and explore kind of a new environment and and adapt and i mean mags alex magaby was the coach at the time and and massively helped with kind of that journey and that transformation and i remember mag saying to me early in my career is like okay like this might be working in this game against this ivy league opponent but if you want to go and perform at higher levels you have to understand that you're going to have to react to your skills. And he showed me one video clip. I, I think I've told this story, but he showed me one video clip. I scored some try, beat a couple of players down the sideline, like ran like 40 meters. And he just goes, do you see what you did wrong here? And I was like, what do you mean what I did wrong? I scored a great try. And he's like, the ball was in the wrong hand. And, and, and like, so I couldn't fend. And I was like, okay. But like, I think once I went away, I did really understand that I think at that stage, I knew I wanted to try and kind of perform and, and play at the next level. And I had to understand that developing my skills and constantly being like really self-critical was a really important skill to develop. I actually uh, I actually remember you playing for Dartmouth because I just moved to the heart of Canada back then and turned on the TV and somebody's like, there's sevens on TV. And this is amazing. And I, I was I put together an X-Gen team to play against Canada and USA Development women's teams this past weekend. And I was with girls flying from across the country. And I was saying like, I was a fan of sevens when the world series first launched and I would just wait 
to wake up in the morning because obviously eight, nine or 12 hours behind. And I would just be like, they would post like six pictures a day. And I would just like wait for the like cool pictures, you know, dial up internet, just like just wanting to see what heaven is like, right? That picture in, in behind Dallin right now, that that is what I was waiting to see. Uh, but to now, like, you know, like fast forward, I guess, whatever, 10 years watching, you know, US USA Collegiate Rugby on TV, I was able to see you, I'm sure it inspires some kids that want to go to university and play rugby back then. And then now to be 2023 and have eight franchises, men and women for me is like a dream come true to be a part of it as a coach to help so many athletes get that opportunity, get that taste. And, uh, you know, USA is a sports machine. And, uh, and sevens, I think is the right is is the right uh right dessert for their appetite because it's uh it's it's the most exciting exciting game in the world now you've been on the hsb sorry on the hsbc world seven series for a number of years and the premier rugby sevens draws from that epic roller coaster ride and fan atmosphere bring it to north america what elements do you love most about the pr sevens and what are you excited about as a as a u.s legend yeah, I mean, I think it is bringing that environment and that energy and that atmosphere that everyone loves about the HSBC World Rugby 7 Series to, to North America. I mean, when we were playing on the team, like we'd get one opportunity to play in the US every year, like two opportunities in North America. So you, you don't get many chances to play in front of your family, your friends, your home crowd cheering you on. And I think having the PR7s just allows that fan to engage with the sport more. And I really agree with you. I, I mean, I think rugby sevens is, is such a special sport and it's such a special environment. It's such a special event to go to. And, and I love seeing the PR sevens drive that and get more people interested and more people engaged. Kind of, as I said earlier, I think I was there for, it was interesting on the, on the seven series, you'd see like events would be like huge and absolutely packed and energetic. And then they drop off and then they'd come back and like seeing that kind of wave of different events kind of peak and trough was really interesting. I mean, yeah, the Hong Kong, they never seemed to trough. It was always, it was always fun in Hong Kong, but I, I mean, I think, yeah, find figuring out what it is that kind of really drives that and, and drives the fans to engage with it in that really special way, I think is the future of sevens. Cause I think so, the, there have been a lot of conversations around like kind of TV windows and things like that. And I really believe that the success of sevens will come from driving successful events uh, on the ground. And if there's a fun energy and atmosphere at the event, I think you can create that buzz and that energy around it, but trying to create it backwards where like, okay, what's the like specific format we need to do. And like, that's going to be, and it's suddenly going to explode. Like, I just think that's kind of viewing the whole model backwards. And I think PR sevens has the opportunity and we've seen it this year with a kind of format changes, conferences, new teams and stuff like that. It's a really fun way to kind of be able to tinker and, and, and change and adapt and, and figure out what it is that we can exactly get right. And seeing the events, the event in year one, and then the, the series in year two has been really fun to see that development and that growth. And I think a lot of people who hadn't really interacted with rugby, hadn't really interacted with rugby sevens, see it for the first time. And I mean, that's always been kind of what I've loved about sevens is every single person I talk to who sees it once is like, this is the best thing ever. How do I see it more? How do I do it more? How do I get more involved? And I think PL Sevens brings that into kind of right now the US, but into North America and gives people the chance to have that first experience and the chance to drive that like continual engagement that is really important. And one thing, one nice thing about just to follow up on your friend Owen is uh, he's got the right mind for it. And what I've kind of, as I've gotten to know, and I found he's a sports geek, like he's, he's a rugby fan, but he's crazy about all sports. I, some of my cousins and uncles, they, they, they could tell you any sport being played in the last 300 years, whether it involved this, uh, how far somebody could throw, skip a rock on a lake 
or anything. But like Owen, I think understands the U.S. demographic, the U.S. market, and those sports fans out there, and how to how to engage them. And uh, there's a rumor going around that people are even getting tattoos of the loonies. That's that's how exciting it is. But uh, I just got one la- one follow up question before Dallin. But uh, talk us through that pressure kick at the death and a stormy night in Washington in the final for the experts. Like you know, you've obviously took a break and then you've come back and then all of a sudden. The, the heat is on, the ground is wet, you're on the right sideline with the game on the line, there you are in the hot seat. Walk us through that. Yeah, I mean, that was a special moment. I, I mean, I think I loved playing last season. It was so much fun. It was the first time I'd yeah played rugby, like played a game since since walking off the field at the Olympics. So it was it was great to get back out there. I, I definitely missed it. And being involved in the team environment, PR7s, I think, Definitely, yeah. Reminding me a little bit of, of what it was that I was missing, but I was not fit enough to play in that tournament. I I had tried to I had tried to build up my fitness. I tried to get there. Like I think anytime you're kind of getting back into it, I had a couple minor injuries that were setbacks and stuff like that. So then I was out there on the field. I think it was like halfway through the first game, and I, I said to JK, I was like. Hey, I'm not sure I'm going to be a 14 minute man in this tournament. And of course, I think I ended up playing 14 in like most of the, in the, several of the games. And I was like, oh, I, I'm struggling. So I think I massively enjoyed it, but I was definitely thinking the whole time, like, I don't have that like kind of injection of pace and the injection that I'm really bringing. And in defense, I'm just, just trying to keep up and stay in the line. So I, I had been there like, okay, I'm enjoying this, but I don't think I'm playing very well. And then to have the opportunity at the end to, yeah, add something for the team was pretty great. And I mean, I think I've had, I had the I won against Kutztown for Dartmouth. I had the New Zealand one, and then um, that one, uh, yeah, for the for the experts last season. I've had a few kicks from the from the touchline time up to. I guess time wasn't quite up in that one, but time was was almost up to to get that. And I mean, I think for me, like I start with kind of just slowing it down. Like I've practiced conversions so so many times that in that moment, I'm not trying to think about what I'm trying to do or not trying to do anything, but just trying to shut everything out i go to my breathing like go to my routine and and then it's following through and yeah i happen to get that one right i've had ones that have missed too i think it's like i highlight i highlight the ones that go through and thankfully on yeah kind of a couple of occasions it really has but there have been others where where i haven't got it quite right but it was a really special moment and i think yeah, it felt good to yeah have a, have a great moment for the team and be like, okay, yeah, these young guys coming through aren't like, ha, huh, he's not even any good anyway. So <laughs> it, it it was fun to have that at the end. And yeah, I mean, I don't know, I don't know if it was Dallin, but so I think I was given the MVP, which I, I had had one good moment at the end. I think I would have chosen maybe uh, I think Nolan Tuamohaloa and Naima Fualaau had fantastic tournaments, and that, that's what it was about. Like Naima had obviously played with a bunch, but that was the first time I played with Nolan, and it was great to play with some young guys, get get some good fun out there, and yeah, had had one great moment at the end to cap it off, which yeah ended the weekend on a high. But it's also the communication, right? The experience and stuff like that. So people look up to you having done what you've done. And so, you know, they also would play better when you're on the field too, which is great. But I do remember that you said, hey, listen, I'm feeling pretty gassed, you know? <laughs> now, listen, yeah. final one be- be- before we let you go. You and I have worked together in the commentary booth now for quite a while, which is great. We've done some USA Internationals, uh, Sevens World Series. What Describe what that, what that privileged position is like. Uh, obviously, you've done what it is on the field and that's a different situation. But what is it like actually now being you know, one of very few people at an event talking about the game and bringing it to light, not only for people in the US, but around the world. I mean, I think it's a pretty special responsibility to have to be kind of, you're that conduit between the game and people watching all over the world. And I mean, I think a challenge you have, particularly in the US and 
presumably in Canada as well, is that you're catering to an audience of very, very different rugby knowledge and trying to get a balance where everyone is enjoying that and kind of everyone's learning from it and, and discovering. Because like if I'm there saying this is a scrum, like a scrum happens when like then like the the people who enjoy rugby, who probably are the people we can expect to expect to rely on to come back week after week after week are going to be like, oh, I hate this commentator. He doesn't tell me anything I don't know. It's not interesting. It kind of just makes the game dull. So you have to cater to that fan, but you also want to engage the new fan who's coming in. And I think striking that balance and, and getting that right is a challenge that I really enjoy. I mean, I think I've been involved in American rugby, I don't know, for 15, 15, 20 years now, however long it's been. And like that's been always been a, a fantastic part of it is you do get to interact with people in like really different ways, engaging um, with the game for the first time, but also people who have been playing and, and talking to their college mates for 60 years and, and still love the sport and still want to talk to you about every little detail. I mean, I've always kind of tried to approach this. We would always do these film sessions and like different players would sit up at the front and like, as we were doing the film, like talk through, okay, like, Perry did made this great play here. And that's what opened up opportunities on this other side of the field. And I kind of tried to approach it in the same way where I'm trying to like, I mean, I think you've got down to and the and the first voice to really tell you what's happening, but I'm there to kind of try and tell you kind of why it's happening is is kind of what I go for and, and what's interesting about that. And, and and that's kind of what I've tried to bring. But it is definitely a privileged position to kind of be that conduit between the game. It's different. I mean, I think I remember my first, I think it was one of the first test matches I did with with you, Dallin. And like, I think some of the other ones I'd done were like college events. I like did the game. I went home. I was like, okay, whatever. But the, the, the feeling after a game when you're a player, like you go back into the locker room, you're surrounded by the team and like the energy, like really like doesn't even drop it. So it's like everyone's excited. I mean, if you lose it, we'll drop off a thing, but it's like a real bringing together moment. And not that we haven't had some great moments after tournaments, but it is different when you're a commentator and, and like getting, figuring out like kind of that emotional balance of like, you've had this like huge, like you've got to bring your adrenaline, bring your energy for the whole game. And then the game's over and you're like, um, it's different as a commentator, but it's very fun. Yeah, no, it really is. I, I often struggle to go to sleep straight away when I get back to the hotel or wherever you're staying because you're on such a high. And you're right, you're not going out necessarily celebrating with too many people, maybe a couple of quiet jars with my Zulawara and Matt, Matty Hughes, and that's about it, you know. But yeah, it's, it's really great, as I said, to have a fresh player and get your knowledge and get your insight is so good. So as you said, we'll see what the summer brings. We hope to see you in a couple of months' time, whether you're playing for the experts, whether you're in the booth, whether you're watching. It's going to be really great. We want to thank you for your time on the Rugby Sevens roller coaster, and we look forward to you rounding a few park cars down the line, my friend. Awesome. Thanks, Alan. Thanks, Robin. Really appreciate it. This was fun. Cheers, Matty. You stop. It's such a privilege to welcome New Zealand rugby legend and Olympic gold medalist Stacey Waka, known worldwide as a smiling assassin to the Rugby Sevens roller coaster. Some say you're so scary, Freddy Krueger's nightmares. <laughs> oh, wow. Um, I'm not sure. I'm, I promise I'm nice. So like, <laughs> on the field. This is this is only on the field when you have the ball in hand and you're about to step and score. Yeah. Oh, yeah, nah. It's a different story, you know. You've got to be a completely different person when you're on the field compared to when you're off it. And... When I'm on there, there's there's no looking back. You've just got to go hard and, yeah, nothing nothing scares me. You've got to be fearless. I love it. Okay, breaking news, finally, and it's remarkable for the game in North America. We can confirm you'll be playing in the Premier Rugby Sevens this year. Shut all the gates there ever were. How did that come about and what excites you about this adventure? Yeah, um, well, after talking to my coach at the beginning of the year, obviously an amazing World Cup campaign last year. I went on an eight-week break forced eight-week break because of my um, high ankle sprain, unfortunately. 
And when we got told about our mid-year break this year, I thought, you know, I just want to keep playing. I want to stay consistent. I want to make sure my body still um, can do what it does over this period leading into an, a massive Olympic year. So I put the question forward. I actually asked to play a bit of 15s game. Obviously, love playing with Black Ferns. Yeah. Um, and he suggested um, the PR7s instead and that see someone had reached out to him for a couple of the girls and I was like yeah hell yeah I'd love to do it um he wanted me to continue playing sevens and you know condition my body towards this game leading into the Olympics so when the opportunity came I was like yeah I'm ready I'm gonna do it because what an experience to come over to America obviously love the girls over there I know only some of them are playing this season but I'm just real excited to make some new connections and play in a new competition that I know is thriving after three years running now. So yeah, I'm, I'm quite excited. Yeah, that's right. And I know you and I spoke at one of the seven stops. You said this is coming down the pike, maybe we'll confirm later. So <laughs> I had to keep it quiet until now. So I think I've done a bloody good job. So brilliant that we can finally talk about it. <laughs> yeah, I, I think you are doing a great job, Dylan. You're well done. Thank you. <laughs> Well, Stacey, I remember when you debuted on the circuit and you were running around Canada. Obviously, I was cheering for Canada and, and everybody oh. else. And although you, you do have your game face on, you're still always smiling. So it's it's you're such a great ambassador for the Game of Sevens, obviously New Zealand and the World Series. And we're thrilled to have you on the Premier Sevens this summer. Are you sure, Robin? Because I heard you're a coach of one of the other teams. Um, and we're, we're going to be out to kill, you know. I don't, I don't yeah. like losing. It's going to be competitive. <laughs> yeah, no problem. Well, we got, we got, a, we got a Kiwi on our side as well. She's off the radar, but uh, she's class. But uh, I'm just giving you the nice Canadian charm right now, and uh, I'll pull the, I'll, I'll pull the loons out of my sleeve later, later this summer. So, first of all, congratulations on winning the recent. World Seven Series, six titles out of seven, epic consistency. Mm -hmm. Could you describe what it's like playing on the series for our listeners and how your team was able to be so consistent this year again? Yeah, it's actually probably one of our most successful years, um, winning six out of seven. And, and it's quite cool. I think my favorite part about this World Series is every single one of our contracted girls, I think we have 20 contracted, uh, managed to step foot on field, which is awesome. Everyone made their debuts. We all got a taste of what it's like playing on the World Series and, and got the opportunity when it came. So that, that excites me, um, for, I suppose, the growth of the game in general. And yeah, it was actually quite cool coming back into the team after playing 15s and trying to find our feet again within sevens. Started off with a bang in Hamilton. We love our home crowd. We love playing at home and we knew it was the last one. So we wanted to make sure that we did it right. And we got to play our USA mates in the final, which was pretty awesome too, that one. I, I think for us, consistency is, is, is massive because if you look at all of our games over the six events that we did win, they all brought something different. I actually thought we probably didn't play the greatest in France. I know I'm not just being humble, but we, we definitely probably made a few more errors than usual and the games were probably a little bit closer than we wanted it to be. But the one memory that probably, or one event that does stand out to me was our performance in Hong Kong. I feel like that was probably where we were thriving and at our best um, results were good. Everyone was humming and, and playing well as a team. So it was cool to get the growth from Hamilton to Sydney to Vancouver, Hong Kong. And then maybe it got to France and we were all ready for a break. It had been a long season. So we kind of dipped a little bit, but we did still manage to win, which is awesome. We'll take that. Yeah, for us as girls, I suppose it's just trying to find little things or little work-ons each tournament to make sure that we are still keeping consistent, to make sure we're still growing and learning. Our coaches are unreal in terms of, 
you know, the game plan that they give and, and the feedback they give to us. Very honest, um, which is good. You obviously need that as players, so we're aware of the things we do need to work on. Uh, but, oh, I just love this team, and uh, I love, the, I suppose, the individual fierceness and competitiveness that we all bring, not just to the tournaments. You should see our trainings. They're pretty crazy, and it's so hard playing against each other. You never know who's going to win. And it gets real tiring out there. So I'm just lucky to be on this side. <laughs> but I will say that's probably what makes you the best team in the world is because your trainings are even probably harder than some of the games and tournaments you play. So you really bring it out. I also see the chemistry with your side. So as you said, even if there is a game or two that you're not performing at your best, you're still able to bring it home, which there were some really good finals against Australia this year and a few other ones, you know. So speaking of great teams, you and I make a great team as well uh, because especially Hong Kong even, I remember every time you win, uh, well, every time you're at a tournament, you're winning and I'm coming down to get a little photo with you afterwards. So it's a good little combo we got going on. We also connected Stacey in New England when you popped in to visit your brother, Bodine, playing for uh, the Free Jacks in Boston. Uh, got to interview there, which is really good fun. Now, listen, I know you two have had a great journey in different ways of the course. He's been uh, in Japan and the USA and you. I think you even played, debuted the same year for New Zealand and that sort of thing. Now, you're playing for the New York locals in the Premier <laughs> Rugby Sevens, which is the biggest rival Boston has. Is he giving you rubbish about that? Oh, absolutely. Every day he does. But hey, you know what? i just got to make the most of the opportunity I've been given. So I have to take it with two arms. And yes, it's not a Boston team, but I'm going to do my best um, that I can for the New York locals. I'm so excited to meet the girls. So yeah, Bodine, sorry. Sorry, mate. But um, <laughs> Keep the change. <laughs> exactly. Now, let's speak of your childhood and you know what was it like growing up in your sporting family and um and, and also in the next follow-up question is at what age did you know that rugby was going to be your sport and this is going to be the future for you yeah that's a good question just because I actually started playing netball first that's every little girl's dream here in New Zealand growing up and you grow up on the netball courts watching um everyone and playing that was obviously what you wanted to do represent the silver ferns so started there and then played touch which is obviously another massive sport that everyone plays here growing up. It's not quite tackle, but very similar skills, obviously. So, yeah, um, love playing them. I, I really wanted to represent our country in those sports. And it wasn't until I got to high school um, where we put a, a team in, a 15s team in for the first time. It had been missing for a few years. And so I think I was 15 when I first started playing rugby. My first game, I remember it um, for my high school and we won. We did pretty well. I remember scoring a few tries. And man, after, honestly, that game, I just was like, this is it. I'm not looking back. I really want to continue playing this sport. And at that stage, I'm going to be really honest, I didn't even know who the Black Friends were. I didn't know that there was going to be an opportunity to play the sport in future as a full-time professional job. I literally played it because it was so much fun. And I was hanging out with my friends. And we got to leave school early on a Wednesday because our games were on Wednesday nights <laughs> midweek. <laughs> So yeah, I just loved it. And then after that season, got picked up from our provincial side to play in the women's sevens team the end of that year, which was cool. And more opportunities just came knocking. And then that's when I started learning more and realizing that women's rugby is actually a thing here in New Zealand. It can be worldwide. And then they introduced it into the Olympics. So yeah, I mean, every kid as a young, oh, every kid growing up wants to go to the Olympics. You, you never know what for. I mean, we studied it at school and. I thought, man, this will be a cool opportunity for me to go and represent our country, playing a, a sport that we all love, and that's New Zealand's national sport, even better. So, 
yeah, it was cool. I play. I still played everything that I could at um, school. I did athletics. I played hockey. I played like volleyball, basketball, all of that for fun, just because that's what you do, right? Sport is fun. Yeah, you make so yeah. many connections. You gain so many different skills on and off the field or the court or the pitch or whatever you're doing. And I honestly think playing everything and not specialising too early helped helped me um, gain those, um, I suppose, motor skills hand-eye coordination that you need within the game of rugby I just need to learn learn how to tackle but growing up with two older brothers uh, they hardened me up quite quickly you couldn't really be the sucky little sister yet to try and be tough it out and they taught me some lessons growing up so yeah I'm very grateful for my upbringing and my childhood playing every sport that I could and being amongst a, a family who absolutely loved it, supported sport, followed us every single weekend. Mum and dad were always there. And, and they weren't too shabby themselves. They they made a few teams back in their day. So I'm just glad I got their sporting genes and it runs in our family. <laughs> yeah, it's so great. I mean, you mentioned the multi-sport. Robin and I are massive fans of that because it lends itself to being an all-round sports person also, not just focusing on one kind of thing. And, and so that's really wonderful. And then Coming from a supportive family, you're right. It is so important, right, to get that uh, confidence and, and get that support. Um, now, is it true you have over 70 cousins, which means a pick-up game of rugby is just around the doorstep? You know what? I honestly do. That's like all my first cousins, second cousins, and third cousins because my dad's the youngest – oh, third youngest of 16 – so and they've all got lots of probably at least three to four kids each and then they've got more kids off them like honestly it's massive we've got so many workers here in the world in New Zealand and I'm grateful um whenever we catch up we actually have a um family touch competition at the end of every year back home after Christmas where we all come together and link up and play a fun game of touch I've got to commentate that I've got <laughs> 70 workers going wild I mean that's a that's a show on its own <laughs> You know what? I think it's more than 70 if you count up all the first, second, and third cousins. That's so right. That's right. We're probably wow. knocking on Hunchin, really. Wow. <laughs> well, let's, have, let's host the next Walker World Cup on, on Canadian soil, and maybe we'll adopt a few of them and uh, sign them up for the national team here. Yeah, no, nah, there's 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 plenty there's plenty coming, and hopefully they can <laughs> the new name and do it proud. Maybe in USA, you never know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to touch that. All right, uh, big, big, big piece for me is is development and and aspiring young young boys and girls. And uh, this league has been great. It's a huge gap between obviously the World Series and playing club in any country and just adapting to that level. The Premier Sevens is is, is helping fill that gap. So you're going to play with some, you'll play with and against some some rising university stars. Last year we had an 18 year old debut out of high school and she got MVP in one of the stops. Uh, we'll be in the Canadian side, likely playing against you next year. But just for all those boys and girls out there and maybe Waka cousins that are aspiring to be like you, to win World Cups, to win Olympic medals, and just represent your country or chase any dream, what what advice would you give them? And uh, what what advice has been given to you over the years? Oh, I've been given a lot of advice <laughs> over the years, and I'm only 27. But for me, I suppose my biggest advice to everyone is probably just, that it's not it's not going to be easy, but it's always worth it. Like for me, it's taken a few years. When you first start out on the team, you you're excited. You're like, yay, I finally made it. But when you make the team, there's actually so many more steps after that because you've still got to try and compete for a spot. You've still got to try and um, be the best person in your position. You've still got to try and actually consistently make the team, um, and you've got to try and stay injury free the whole time, which is 
probably impossible playing a contact sport, but there's so many different challenges with selection and not, not performing at your best sometimes because of certain things going on in your life. So for me, I've kind of just thought about it as, you know, whatever challenges or whatever things come at me, it's all good. Everything happens for a reason. You can't dwell on things too long because that's when you kind of lose motivation and then you lack self self-confidence and, and you're not able to push forward when knowing well and truly you're good enough to be in the team, in the team because you've obviously been selected. But the true champions, I feel, that come out and, and, and be good players are the ones who can fight through the resilience, can fight through all those speed bumps along the way. And I've had many of them. I've had so many surgeries that have definitely led to a lot of time off the field, um, which, which sucks. It's so hard because, you know, you watch your teammates on TV, you see them traveling the world and doing all these cool things, and, and it's real hard. But at the same time, when you're back home, you just have to find little things that keep you motivated, keep you sane. And you still grow, you learn. Being a professional athlete isn't easy. We all know that. There's so many dark times. But, yeah, I think the ones that truly stand up and the ones who are true champions of the world are definitely those who, who continue to fight through no matter what. And I'm just lucky I've got good support, a, a good support system behind me with my family, with my friends, with my team, lots of management around me. And, and I know who to talk to. And I know it can be hard sometimes to speak out to people when you need help. But... You have to do it. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's kind of just biting your tongue a little bit and making sure that, you know, whatever happens, it's not going to be easy, but it's always going to be worth it. And that's what probably keeps a smile on my face and why I enjoy playing rugby is because try not sweat the small stuff. You, there's always something new coming. There's always a new goal, um, even if it's not the road you had planned. So, yeah, that's probably the biggest advice or my biggest advice that I could give. So these young ones coming through, knowing that you can't get, get given things on a silver platter, you have to work bloody hard for it. Yeah, and what people see on the World Series or see when you're out there smiling and scoring is just like the tip of the iceberg. <laughs> I, I saw something over the weekend, this guy talking and basically just about like, you know, the training is this much, the, the grinding is this much, but like the glory being out in the field and having the good days of success is this small, but it's the sweetest part. Like it's the sweetest oh. part and the stadiums in behind Dallin and I like, that was my driving force. I had that picture and uh, in my book and I would look at it every day and I think about myself there and that's what drove me and drove me and drove me. But one thing I always tell my athletes is, is call me on the bad days, call your mom, your dad, your partner on the good days, call me on the bad days. And you being honest with the fact that, you know, yeah, there's lots, lots to look forward to, lots to chase, but being realistic that it is a grind and uh, and and you're going to have to push through it. And I always look at things cyclical, like for me, when I worked with Mexico at the World Cup in 2018, when I arrived that day as a coach, I walked on the field before the games and I just kind of had this big breath. But what I what I realized, you know, nobody was on the field at that point in San Francisco. What I realized, what Monday looked like, Monday looked like this, I was going down. Like I'm rebuilding again Monday. Although I was I was happy that I arrived. The girls are here. Everything's you know everything's in order. But I knew like on Monday it was like man we're starting again. But just being conscious that even though you're going down again, you're going to come up again. So yeah. just being patient for those Boy. those those uh, those challenging days. <laughs> totally agree. Totally agree, Robin. I right, Stacey actually was their team actually won that tournament. So there it is. You know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he knew he knew when he saw you on the ground so which speaking of which okay so you're one of the very few players in the world and i haven't done all the stats but you know you've got the olympic gold medal commonwealth games gold you've won the sevens and fifteens world cups take us back though to the recent rugby world cup you hosted in your own country 
What was it like playing in front of your family and friends and then also producing one of the best finals we've ever witnessed? <laughs> yeah, pretty lucky. Eh? I, I, When people mention it, I'm like getting selected to just be in the team at those clinical events is pretty cool and pretty special because not everyone gets it. But to win them, it's, it's kind of weird. And I haven't actually framed any of my jerseys or any of my medals yet, so I should probably get around to doing that because it's a pretty special moment. You're gonna um, run out of space. Like, you must have a you must have a huge a huge house. <laughs> that's fine. You're kind of just sitting there at the moment storage. So we'll get there. Rugby World Cup in New Zealand, man. Oh, it was so, it's so hard. Like I get emotional thinking about it right now because I just still can't believe that it happened and it happened. Oh, seven months ago. No, longer than seven months ago now. It's pretty cool because when they announced it was going to be in New Zealand, I'm going to be honest, I was a little bit nervous, only because I knew that the the support back here wasn't quite as big as when we travelled all around the world and and the stadiums that packed out for us to watch New Zealand because we're the home or, you know, we're, we're known as um, a rugby country. So a little bit nervous. And then it came to the opening match against Australia and they did so well to market the event and it was unreal the amount of support and the amount of people that turned up and it was after that game that I realized man New Zealand are they are behind us there are people wanting to watch um, women's rugby games and then fast forward six weeks later obviously managed to get to the to the World Cup final and and it's a sellout at Eden Park who would have thought and we all know our sis Ruby Tui said her, her cliche line or her, her her word was they told us that Eden Park would never sell out, but look at us now. So, so, so true. When we got there, it was just goosebumps. Like getting to Eden Park and witnessing or being a part of, I suppose, a campaign where it was a sellout. We managed to take the dub, very close one, obviously, but being out on the pitch and, and performing at that time, it was it was nerve-wracking. Um, obviously, everyone watching and England were the team to beat. They were on a 30-something game win streak. No one had beaten them in quite a long time. An epic team, well-drilled team. And for us to tip them over on the edge right in the last minute of the game, um, here at home with the crowd, obviously, that was so, so, so loud. You couldn't even hear each other on the field. I had to start using sign language to get each other's attention. <laughs> But I suppose the journey, the journey of it is pretty cool to be able to turn our campaign from a year ago, getting smashed from England and France twice in a row to actually winning the World Cup on home soil is, is pretty epic. And I have to give credit to so many people, but especially just the girls themselves for being able to turn up to, to play a new game plan that our new coaches had given us just that year. Very different. Well, they're wanting to try and play a seven style 15s game. So trying to speed everything up. As you would have seen us running more out of our 22 instead of kicking it out. And just just a few different things that other um, countries weren't actually bringing. So give credit to the girls for turning up and doing their job. And obviously massive credit to Smithy and Ted and the coaching staff for being able to, to give us something that we were able to adapt to and and obviously pull out when it, when it was needed. So, yeah, it was an epic feeling being out there. Yeah, very, very special. And also very rare, like we said, that you actually get to play World Cup at home and then to get to win it. And that's the thing. You you know, it, it would be weird, I would say, and again, I've never won a World Cup, but you win the World Cup, which is probably the best day of your career, and it's in another country, right? So, yes, you'll have some family and friends there, but your support was amazing. And you really, I know, you, like you're saying, you put rugby on the map. It's the women's rugby on the map as well, you know, in, in that. You've done it in the sevens, to do it in 15s as well. Uh, epic, so so well done. And, and also, I loved your breakout in that 15s game. You just, you showed them, you've got the sevens and the 15s flair. See you later, keep the change. 
<laughs> oh, thanks, Alan. You're too nice, man. But it was that was probably one thing that was my favorite part, or two things was one having family in the crowd. We travel all around the world for sevens, and you know it's cool getting Kiwi supporters, but there's just nothing quite like having your mum and dad, your siblings, your nieces, nephews, cousins, aunties, uncles in the crowd supporting you. But like you said, the biggest thing was the growth of the women's game all around the world. I know so many people now who, who have converted, who actually love watching women's rugby. And and that was definitely a goal of ours was to eventually grow the game, not just here in New Zealand, but get more support and fans all around the world. And I think we managed to do that. So long may it continue and hopefully more people not only watch, but play the sport because it's bloody amazing. Well, we know the Waka family, of course, bought half the tickets to the stadium. So that was already <laughs> done. It's a pretty easy sellout. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you're not wrong here. Well, I, I remember watching when Australia won the 91, the Men's World Cup, and their legacy, Michael Liner, was interviewed, and he said, like, what his what his big, greatest joy or biggest accomplishment with that group was how many boys and girls signed up for rugby after they won. And I think your group of Black Ferns, both 15s and 7s in the last decade, have left a legacy and building a legacy that's going to, that's going to, you know, long last your career and, and, and likely your, your lifetime, uh, which is, which is so powerful. And it's not just about sport. It's about inspiring people that they can do anything they want to do. And how did, how does that, does your group realize how, how powerful you've been as far as driving that in your country and around the world? Yeah, absolutely. Like we we talk about it all the time and, and that's part of our vision. That's part of our why is to inspire not just younger girls play to play the game, but younger boys, any anyone really, to be able to just support the Black Ferns wherever we are in our journey. And and that's quite special because we can make those connections worldwide. So, yeah, we definitely talk about it and, and we love it. We know that the biggest thing for us is knowing we're role models, whether you like it or not, you're, you're playing for your national team within the country. And we we talk about being authentic and being courageous and, and just showing your true self because there's no point in going out there and being like putting a face on that you're someone else when you're not like just be yourself and and that's why everyone loves you so to an extent of course obviously you have to make good decisions and make good choices wherever you are in the world and on especially social media you can get you can get caught out so many times from from everyone but for us it's just about expressing your true self and and being those those role models for the younger ones coming through but yeah, it's a big part of our team, our culture, and our way. And a big part of that is how you girls play. I love how you play, and uh, I also love how Australia play. Those are those are my two favorite teams in the world to watch. Actually, the Australian women and New Zealand women, and preferably when you're playing each other. And when I'm <laughs> when I'm working with men or women, I work with both all the time. I show clips of of Australia playing New Zealand women because I feel you play the nicest sevens in the world. Uh, you truly play sevens. I always try and say play smart sevens. Let the ball do the work. I guess I what I wanted to dive into for for those listeners out there and selfishly for me as a coach is just like what makes your group so special on the field as far as your attacking flow because you girls never seem stressed outside of having these connections. Um, do you feel that your multi sport background has has contributed to the way you play? And or is that is that something you guys is is the strategy from your coaching staff over the over the last decade? Yeah, one hundred percent. When I look at the dynamic of our team, I think it's really cool because we're not the biggest team. We're actually probably one of the smaller ones. So you obviously have to stick to your strengths, and you don't want to go into contact too much against your USA girls because or Canadians or you know the French because they're obviously so powerful and so strong. Um, we do try and play smarter um, with the ball and we try and 
try and use the width as much as we can. But it's real cool for us. I feel like within our team, we've all come from a background of playing, yes, definitely a lot of sport. Touch is definitely one of the main ones that we've all mostly played. Netball is another one. We've got a little Highland dancer in Georgia Miller. We had Reese Pody Lane, I think she's done. Oh, and Kelsey Tenetti have done a bit of judo and stuff like that. So I think for us, we're just lucky that sport runs in our families over here and it's encouraged and it's supported. So for us to make the transition into rugby, it's quite cool. Probably a little bit easier for us because we have that kind of core skill, ball skills, being able to catch pass, um, the vision and, and whatnot to see space and be able to exploit that and, and play what's in front. That's that's very special about our team. But if you think about the way we do play, I love that there's threats right across the park. I mean, I'm going to be honest, if you look back when we first played maybe – I don't know, 10 years ago, you get the ball into Portia Woodman's hands and she's scoring every single try um, because that was her job. But now when you try and play against us, it's like, oh, everyone can kind of do that. Now everyone's fast, everyone's fit, everyone's strong. When we're doing our trainings, it's it's actually real good getting lots of different combinations. I feel like back then you were specialised positions, but now to be able to play the, the game of sevens, you have to be able to play kind of everywhere, um, whether you're a forward, whether you're a back and and have that ability to perform under pressure in those dying moments where you kind of need it. And we've come out of some games, obviously 14-0 in France, and then to come back 19-14. We've had many games where we've been 21-0 down. I remember at the Olympics, that was us against Great Britain, and then we managed to come back. It's for us, like you said, it's staying calm, composed, and just trusting ourselves that actually we can still be in this, we can still stay in the fight, and... We know if we have the ball, we've got some special skills on, on display and we're hopefully going to score some tries. As soon as we don't get that ball back and we're on defence for long periods of time, everyone hates it. No one loves defending for long periods. It's so hard. It's so tough on the body. And it's just impossible to try and try and win games when you're on defence all the time. So, yeah, we try our best to hold on to the ball as long as we can um, to make the most of our opportunity with it and and try and score as fast as we can too. So, yeah. That's probably a little bit of dynamic from our team and the way we think. We we never wanna we never wanna lose it and we we just wanna try and yeah, get as many tries as we can when we have it. <laughs> well, we can't wait to see. We have seven New Zealanders, two on the men's side, five on the women's side, playing in Premier Rugby Sevens this year. So we'll see that flair and attack come through. And then your old teammate, Ruby Tui, is back as well, which is big news. How cool will it be for you to go up against her or won't it be cool? What are you guys thinking there? <laughs> I can't wait. I love my sis, Ruby Tui. Um, we're always messaging and, you know, there's always good good laughs and good banter with her. And, you know, I'm so, I was so excited when I found out she was going. I was like, yay, another familiar Kiwi face, obviously played a lot of rugby with her. So whether I'm playing against or with her, not sure yet, but it's going to be epic. Just to see her, I know the presence that she brings on and off the pitch and she is the funniest, most witty person I know in the world. And don't ever try and have an argument with her because you'll probably lose because she's got every single comeback in the world. <laughs> hey, I, I, I talk for a living and I, I don't take her on. So I know that already. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we're really excited, obviously, as a New Zealand contingent for us girls and guys to come over there and play in a new competition and get some good game time under our belt leading into a massive year. It's going to be cool traveling around the States and, and experiencing. I've never been to 
quite a lot of the places actually unless it was for rugby so I'm quite excited to just get around and experience your guys culture and have fun on and off the pitch yeah exactly now listen we did have one thing you have to promise us you can't score 15 tries against Robin's team the loonies okay <laughs> I can promise you I definitely won't. It won't be me. It'll be too good for me. <laughs> well, we'll uh, we'll hopefully see you on the crossover in the final in Washington. That's the plan. And uh, and uh, if we beat the locals, you know, maybe you'll get a loon tattoo and you'll come over the good oh. side next year. <laughs> oh. oh, is that a challenge? Is it right? <laughs> I'll have to think about that one. <laughs> All right. It can go both ways. It can go both ways. <laughs> Listen, we're uh, we're genuinely so excited to have you join the league. One of the best players in the world, men or women, definitely just also the way you play. But what are you most excited about on the field, uh, playing with North Americans? And what are you excited about as far as getting around uh, the Eastern Seaboard in the U.S.? Yeah, I suppose for me, it's definitely the connections. Like when, when opportunities come for me, I'll... I'll always jump at them and I'm excited to meet new people. Um, I'm excited to go over and play with or be with one of my sisters in the team and play with her. And I, ultimately, I just want to make a memory or share experiences that I've learned with these girls and vice versa and be able to share, cross share, I suppose, that knowledge and the skills to ultimately raise the profile of women's rugby all around the world. And I know um, there's been a lot of effort put into the PR7s and which I'm really excited about. And it makes me real happy and proud knowing that there are so many people behind the competition, behind the game in general. So, yeah, playing on the pitch, that's what I'm most looking forward to. But like I said before, being able to travel around the States a bit and see the sights and and, and meet a few people, hopefully get down to a few um, games, um, special games over there will be quite cool. And, and yeah, just, just to see, I suppose, the game thrive in a way um, that it hasn't before. It's it's quite exciting. It really is. Kia ora the smiling assassin uh listen before we let you go where does the smiling assassin come from who gave it to you and and when did you get that <laughs> i actually there is a funny question dylan because i think it was ricky for now i remember <laughs> i remember her commentating one game and she said it and just just kind of stuck and i kind of liked it i was like yeah I, I i like that name let's keep it on so hey she she can take full credit for it i know you know her really well and absolutely and i love i love her so much the way she you know she broadcasts the game and and her knowledge that she has behind that microphone it's it's, it's amazing to watch and yeah she's awesome <laughs> yeah she's a trailblazer and so are you and i just love the connection that that's how i came about i didn't actually know that so that's really cool you learn something new every day uh listen we want to thank you so much for coming on the rugby sevens roller coaster you're an absolute sleek sensation i can't wait to commentate you carving it up in austin at the q2 stadium on june 17th in the eastern conference kickoff and then we'll get our photos and we'll do what we do best yes well hopefully there's a win there seems to be going a trend here dylan so maybe you do have to be there because hopefully we win again <laughs> tickets booked can't wait you bloody star <laughs> thank you thanks for having me appreciate it thanks for listening to the rugby sevens roller coaster Visit PR7s.com to buy tickets to the five tournaments in 2023. Austin, Texas, June 17th. Minneapolis, Minnesota, June 24th. San Jose, California, July 15th. Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, July 23. And the PR7s Championship on August 6th. Connect with us on social media at PR7s and watch any of the previous tournaments on the Premier Rugby 7s YouTube channel. See you next time, you sleek sensations. <laughs>